This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago and beyond, this is Cognitive Distance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome mat. Today is Thursday, September the 14th, and today... We've got guests, Cecil. Gonna, it's been a while. We're going to have the Glory the, Hole the, hasn't had a guest in a over minute. Dogma podcast on Dan and Dan. Dan, uh, who used to be from How to Heretic, uh, teamed up with another Dan, and so they'll be on at the end of the show. And so uh, we're going to do a couple stories be- between now and then. But stay tuned because at the end we're going to interview them. Cecil, yeah, it's Mexican Alien Day. <laughs> Is it? It's it Mexican Alien early. Day. I thought it was earlier in the week. I thought. Look, here's the thing. First of all, every day is Mexican Alien Day. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds. This sounds really, like an immigration. Can I just thing. say it sounds really, really, yeah. really anti-immigration it when does, you say it? But it's not what we're when talking about. When you say about. it like that, this it is sounds not what we're really talking about. It's not anti-immigration. No, nope, it's not, okay. not. what we're talking about. I'm just. Yep. I'm just saying. I want to put this on the big screen because I just want to talk about this. So this last week, um, the uh, the the Congress, I guess, down there or the 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 Senate viewed these paper mache dummy aliens that they yeah, brought in. Right. So one of these hucksters uh, is latching on to the uh, the guy who came out in the United States who said that there was aliens. Right. Like once one of these people pops up their head, mm-hmm. it's like, they're like locusts, right? They sleep for 17 years yeah. and then finally somebody's <laughs> like aliens. And then all these jackasses, exactly. They just pop yep. up out of the fucking ground <laughs> like the fucking ghouls that they are. And then they immediately try to fucking make money off this. Yep, That's immediately right. what they're trying to do. So inside of the, the parliament or I don't, I don't know the mechanism Mexican government. I don't know what they call it, right? But like the Senate or whatever, their Congress, Congress. they had this guy come with these two fucking star chambers and he (laughs) set them in the middle of the thing and then he opened them up and they're little paper mache aliens from fucking Spirit Halloween. (laughs) They are. They do. Look, here's the thing, guys. If you're listening and not watching, there is nothing remotely real looking about this. Like if you're fooled by this and also- this guy has been caught lying about this exact before. shit before. before. Yes. There's like nothing new under the sun. It's like, here's a guy whose credibility is shot 
on this specific sure. issue. Yeah. It's not like he got caught lying on his taxes, yeah. but he has yeah. like an alien in his right. back pocket right. or whatever. Like that guy, remember that guy who wrote that doctor book who got who was a tax fraud? He was also lying about the doctor stuff. Right. But, but one didn't correlate to the it other. It doesn't right. necessarily mean he's lying about but the But this is a guy stuff. who's got caught lying about this exact thing. He got caught lying about fake relics yeah. that he claimed previously were evidence of aliens. And yeah. now here's the same guy walking up, knocking on your door, yeah. being like, I got more alien <laughs> relics. Hey, guys. And like there's credulous dipshits who are like, really? Welcome to Congress, yeah. bro. Uh, and then the worst part is, is when you read what happens online, immediately people are falling for this. I just want to play. Now I can't, I'm going to explain it to the people who are, aren't watching, but the people who are watching, I just want to play this guy, set this fucking alien on this scale. So this is him setting it on there. Look at how he's holding the alien. Yeah. So, okay, Get imagine, fuck out of imagine here. you have, let's say it's a two foot long alien, right? It's like a fucking, it looks like E.T. It's literally, it's literally modeled after E.T. Except for the legs aren't short. The legs are like human bipedal type legs, right? Right. Well, this guy is holding this precious alien artifact of a fucking mummy of an alien like you would a prop from Spirit Halloween. He's holding it with his two fingers on from the, the waist. And it's like, <clears throat> it clearly has no density to it whatsoever because it's made of paper mache and he's setting it on. Like, who holds something that is precious like a fucking, like a hot dog you're taking on a hot water? <laughs> who holds it like that? No, Nobody yeah, does no, that. No, no. And like, I do want to emphasize the preciousness. Like imagine, because it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. It's super crazy. Wildly not real. But setting that aside, let's pretend for a moment that it was real. Sure. There would literally be nothing more precious. No. Possible on right. earth to exist. Yeah, yeah. So here you have something. And you also, you would have no, there would be no reason for you to think that you understood how delicate it was. Right. Because there's no analog. Sure. For you to so attach this to. Yeah. So, okay. So you have in front of you, you have in your possession, possibly the most precious possible thing to sure. have. That is some units of delicacy. You don't know how delicate it is. Not delicacy. Some units, some of, units delicate. of delicacy. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Just eating this. this is a sushi tray there. <laughs> you got to eat it on a naked lady. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like a bigger naked alien. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just going to like paw at this thing. He's yeah. like, he happens to be wearing like ye cheapy yeah. rubber gloves. This, like, is a, this is a rubber glove you would wear at the deli. Like, right, the exactly. This is like, he's going to cut some pastrami yeah. or he's going to handle the most delicate single thing <laughs> that the world yeah. in all of its time in history it's has unobtainium. ever unobtainium. It right. might as well be yeah. unobtainium or whatever just the like, fuck. I don't know, I'm not even, look. I didn't even like my kids and I held them more delicately than this. You know what I mean? <laughs> and also they zoom in on the face of this thing. Look at that thing. Okay, guys, if that doesn't look like paper mache, it 100% looks like somebody made, it doesn't even look like somebody good tried to make no, an, it ET, an ET replica with paper mache. It looks like somebody who genuinely never has worked in that medium before Not ever in their life. For real. They had it described to them too. They've yeah. never seen anybody do it. They'd had it described to them and then they made an ET This replica. is a bad fourth grade arts and crafts Absolutely. project. Absolutely. This it, is Mrs. Johnson's fourth grade class. It, it, like seriously, this would be a more believable yeah. replica if it was made out of macaroni elbows. <laughs> <laughs> Your kid brought this home, you would hit him with it and then throw it away. That's how ugly it is. It's, there's like, and like also you have to, you cannot capture, you cannot possibly capture how 
shockingly unimaginative this is as like, I know. So, so here we are supposing that there is alien life form. Wow. What would it look like? What about if it looked like a person, but smaller with with, a a different ish head, literally just a slightly bigger head than normal, but two eyes, a regular mouth, a regular nose, nose, five fingers, five five toes, two arms, two legs, symmetrical down the center. It just looks like a fucking tiny person. Yeah. This is it. I would be more, if somebody was like, look, I found a gnome. I'd be like, whoa, a gnome skeleton. That's also not real, but maybe it would look like that. If you're like, hey, found an alien. I'd be like, like there's weirder shit under the sea. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, in the like, bottom of the of a trench somewhere. A platypus yep. is weirder. Yeah. Like yeah. Earth already produces more unlikely shit. Yeah. When you move off of the evolutionary pressures of Earth and add in the, the timeline of like billions of yeah. years and you're like, Whoa, isn't it crazy to just produce like a person, but it's a foot tall? It's the exact thing. It's fucking the exact thing. You're like, yeah, uh, they just happen to live on a planet that is exactly like ours, that that has the same pressures as ours. Also, and like, maybe this isn't true. So I'm just going to spitball here and say shit because this is a show where you shouldn't believe the things we say. We're not experts. But this thing looks to be about 12 inches tall. Yeah. I don't believe for a second that any advanced race that can produce a fucking interstellar spaceship could possibly perform the labor necessary to mine the materials <laughs> the material. and be 12 inches yeah, tall. Yeah. This thing looks like, 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 don't you think there'd be some minimum size necessary, genuinely necessary to carry around the body that you would need in order to do the work on the raw materials to transform those materials substantively enough to create a civilization. I just don't believe some scrawny little 12 inch tall thing. Like, do they live on a you're planet where nothing the size of a house cat ever ate them? They sizist. would be eaten by a house cat. Sizes. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. I'm a fucking evolutionary I size am, king. I am on your side, little people of the world. <laughs> I just, it's absurd. Did also, they evolute back down? Can we look at evolute. this thing right now? Evolute. <laughs> evolute. Evolute is my new favorite word. Evolute is a great evolute. sauce. Evolute. <laughs> this is my favorite thing. It looks, it genuinely looks, it looks like fucking somebody threw this in their crawl space for a little while yeah. <laughs> to get sort of the stuff that sits in a crawl yeah. space on there. And then they pulled it out. It's so fucking fake. I mean, look at this thing (laughs) and look me in the face and be like, no, bro, that's an alien. Get the fuck out of here. Did he say how he came by it? I can't remember. (laughs) Did he say all space? I don't know. Like, like, like that's the, I don't remember because I fucking don't remember. Like, like, but like, imagine too, just like, you just got to like picture the series of fucking Lemony Snicket level unlikely events that have to happen in order for this to come into one person's yeah. private possession. Right. Yeah. Right. Like you're just like out in your, I don't know, you're like your backyard or something. You're digging up your garden. You're like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> There's a guy, Martha, get over here. Yeah. No, the, the carrots look fine. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'll get you a carrot. Look, bring, come over. Bring the small shovel. Yeah. There's a goddamn yeah. tiny alien buried in the path. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. And you don't call somebody immediately? No, you like, excavate a time and then you put it in your own little star chamber so you can- And you take it on like what? Like take little it on like tour. showing tours? Yeah, on tour. And the government's like, yeah, you keep it. Private this property's is, private property. This is literally the freak show shit they used to have yeah. in like the early 1900s yeah. where they'd have like a fucking octopus- 
or something. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah. he's the fucking octopus boy. He was like aborted or whatever. And then they just have like a part of an octopus and a thing. And, right. And then you'd pay two, two dollars or whatever, yeah. or, or the equivalent at the time to go see it. Yep. And two then, bits ahead. Come and see the octopus boy. Google it like some right. shit in formaldehyde for a few minutes and then leave in a dark room. One of the most spectacularly underfunded countries that I have been to is the country of Belize. Wonderful, beautiful country. They don't have any money at all for anything, right? But even in Belize, Cecil, if you are on your property and you find a Mayan ruin of any kind. Oh, okay, yeah. Right, of any kind. And this happens fairly frequently from what we were told when we were there. Like, if you find some Mayan shit, immediately, by order of law, that's the government's now. Like, the government's like, yeah, you know what? Like, our ancestry belongs to all of us. So that's just ours now. I have a hard time believing some guys like, uh, this will pretty much fundamentally change uh, all of our understandings of biology and physics and astrophysics and cosmology. And But it's my private property. Yeah. yeah. And nobody, and everyone's just like, well, I mean, we're just the government. We can't take it from them. He put a cone on it. Right. I yeah, can't right? come near it. He did call dibsies. He had a he had two chairs and a shovel next to right. it. The government is literally powerless like, against that. If that's if, a Chicago joke, by if the way. You're about saving your, saving your, he's shoveling <laughs> off your your uh your your street in front of your house. They shovel off front of their street and then they'll cordon it off and they call it dibs in Chicago. It's a it's a crazy thing that people fist fight over. Anyway, it is go a ahead. crazy thing go people ahead. fist fight over. Like also, like if your house is in the way of like an expanded freeway, yeah. the government's just like, neat, that's our house now. Yeah. And they knock it down and build their freeway. Sure. I just again. Nobody has a private property space alien. Right. Say it out loud. Right. You're private. This is my private property space. Alien. This guy, like what? Put this in his Toyota Corolla and drove it over to the Congress. Yeah, because it's paper mache. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> God, he fucking he probably has like a fucking Moldorama machine in his house that just churns him out. It's so fucking fake. God. It's so unbelievable how fake it is. I can't. And the worst part is is the people online whenever you read, and I don't know if it's rage bait or not, right? I don't right, know if right. they're just trolling and saying, I can't believe this stuff, it's all coming out now or whatever, you know, those are the oh, comments yeah. you read. Oh, it's all hitting like, the fan now. I'm like, come on, man. One guy said he saw aliens, he had no proof. And then another guy has a paper mache alien that he brings <laughs> to a government body. Nothing has happened, man. And I, I'm going to tell you straight up, like of all the things in the world I wish were true, yeah. This is something I wish were true. I wish we were visited by aliens of some kind. I wish that there were some, some creatures from another place that we could communicate with. That would be amazing. That yeah. would be, I mean, I would, I would literally dedicate my life to understanding that. I would probably try to go to school again just to try to get something to yeah. try to work in that field if possible. It's that exciting to me, right? I want it to be true. Yeah. More than anything. But there's no fucking evidence it's true. There's man. none. Not a bit of evidence. And even that guy who testified to our Congress, he wasn't like, yeah, I saw the aliens. He's like, I He's know like, yeah, a guy Bill who saw, saw the aliens. It. Yeah. It's like everybody's Kevin Bacon. Like, how sure, many man. degrees of, how many Kevin Bacons are we away from ET? Yeah. We're always at least two. It's so fucking embarrassing that people think this is this is a true thing. Wait yes. for real evidence. Like I'm like I say, I'm all for it to be real, but I am gonna fucking wait until it's like there's an alien there and he's like, hey. And I'm like, fuck, you look like you're made out of paper mache, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. 
I can't believe you committed I cannot believe you committed How could you have done this? How could you have committed I can't help you out of this one, Jim. With all we've been through, I can't pull you out of this one. This is an opinion piece from CNN, but I did want to read part of this. New Texas law deprives families of religious liberty rights. I just thought this was an interesting framing. A new Texas law allows public schools to replace counselors with chaplains and to use funds earmarked for school safety and mental health to pay them. So we've talked about this on the show before, and I, I like the way it was framed that like this actually like limits religious liberty because it absolutely does yes. limit religious liberty, right? Because a chaplain is not a, if you're a chaplain, you're not a simultaneously secular Christian, Jewish, Muslim, yeah. Hindu chaplain. Like you're a, you're a Christian you chaplain. One. That's a Christian job. one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, you can be a Muslim chaplain, but there's sure. Would you still be called a chaplain? Uh, so at the religious institute, I I used to I used to go to a Catholic institution, right? And they did. it would be called a, a chaplain. Yeah, so, oh, I, that's chaplain. my mistake. Yeah, so, I thought that was so a specifically- Muslim chaplain. Okay, and then there was a Protestant chaplain. There was a Catholic. The Catholic chaplain that was there. They also had a Jewish chaplain. They had okay. a Jewish chaplain. Oh, okay, too. okay. So, so I didn't realize. That. So I thought they that had term. they had chaplains from from okay. different religions. That's what they called them there. I have gotcha. no idea what they gotcha. call them anywhere else. But definitely at the at the place where I went to school, they had them. But they but you can be something in something else, right? So you're a you you could be a Christian chaplain, but you could be a Protestant chaplain, right? Right. Or a Catholic chaplain, right? Which is very different very from different. A, a lot of what these people want, and that's that's what I think is missed by them is that this is a single religion that you're saying can be this person in this in right. this school. Also. These people are doing work that has been carved out and should be done by experts. Yes. And they literally have no expertise. I want to read this piece from the article because it's kind of fucking unbelievable. Each of Texas's more than 1,000 school districts now has six months to vote on whether or not to create chaplain programs. There are no requirements to be called a chaplain outside of passing a background check. People allowed to serve as chaplains in this program are not barred from proselytizing. Hold on, hold on. before you continue. In order to get our concealed carry, yeah. we had to pass background checks. Yes, we did. Are we chaplains? We could be Texas chaplains. Are we chaplains? Yes, I'm a chaplain I'm now. I'm Charlie. I'm Char- Oh, <laughs> don't get the mustache. Real awkward now. Real awkward. Super Mixed awkward signal. mustache. Bad. No, no I, was, that one. I was thinking silent yeah. film era, guys. Okay. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> People allowed to serve as chaplains in this program are not barred from proselytizing and do not have to have any chaplaincy training okay. or expertise in sure. working with children. I don't children have that either. So. Or people from different faith traditions. So, so here's the thing. It's, it, it could, it's just some fucking guy. And they're doing, first of all, chaplains should not be doing work that mental health professionals should be no. doing. No. And then to make it worse, they're not even real chaplains. Yeah. They're nothing. Like you could show up and be like, I literally don't know anything. And you're like, great. Here's the mental health of my children. I would like to entrust you with it. This is what happens when we entrust education and uh, and the future of your children to the right. This yeah. is what happens. And they have made it a point over the last several years to work their way up from the bottom. So these school boards controlled by them, these... Yeah. 
uh, small government institutions all around controlled by them. The the next level up in the state government controlled by yep. them. Yep. And that whole, so that entire state is, I mean, sure, I'm sure there's blue places, but it's certainly controlled at a lot of different levels by the Republicans. And they are doing this purposefully. They want to make sure, because what they, because very much what a, some MAGA person wants is another MAGA person and and to get them the job via nepotism, right? Yep. They want to be able to look at somebody and say, hey, I know Tony, he can just go get a background check. Me a chaplain in this school. He did, we don't have to have a counselor anymore. We don't have to have these people who are teaching your kids about the LGBTQ. <laughs> right. We can have some fucking yep. jackass yokel yep. who lives down the road and they don't know fuck all and they'll be in the school. For yeah, them. and this is... This is an indoctrination attempt. Like yeah, there's a right-wing exactly. ideological indoctrination because also, and they've said as much, the right feels like mental health care is woke. Yes. Like proper, genuine, evidence-based mental yes. health care yes. is woke. So this is a way for them to fulfill a requirement in a school to have mental health services yeah. and then to not fill those services. Sure. Because these services, like it, you, it'd be like, it's like having instead of like, oh, we're going to have a mechanics program. Uh, at the, so we're going to replace all the mechanics in your town with the new mechanics program. And to be a mechanic, uh, all you have to do is pass a background check. And now you're a mechanic. And you never have to have held a wrench yeah, yeah. a day in your life. And the thing is, like, people are going to show up in need of mental health services. And instead, they're going to get some fucking guy. And maybe best case scenario, best case, they'll get some good person who's nice to them and has a fucking theocracy degree. Yeah. Or a religious studies degree. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is it, like you said, it's somebody's cousin's fucking uncle. Yeah. Well, and and they they want to punish people that are in the margins. Right. Right. So the people who need those kind of services very often are trans people, LGBT right. people, you know, people who don't fit a regular people mold. Who face right? discrimination. Very face a face discrimination. All those people are going to go looking for help. And who are they going to look to? They're going to have to look to some jackass who wants to expose them, who wants to yep. hurt them, who doesn't like them. Yep. People and they don't they feel safe with. They want to put those people in those places so that they so that they can essentially, I mean, monitor the people they don't like. Yeah, man, that's very true. There's a there's a surveillance element yeah. to this that feels like really fucking nefarious that I hadn't thought about. Also, it just occurs to me too, that like, depending on like, if you're a, if you're a uh, mental health professional, in many cases, you're bound to certain confidentiality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you're oh, some, God. if you're fucking some schmuck Fuck, dude. playing the fucking cosplay role of chaplain, yeah, man. instead of somebody Fuck, who's, dude. you know, license would be on the line if they didn't, if they divulge certain information, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. There's Put your real background check here. on the line. Yeah, right. Yeah, my background check. Who oh, the fuck man. cares? Now I can't pretend to be chaplain well, as your fucking... And then to expose those people, yeah. right? Because they can. Because they can. And because there's no repercussions. I mean, this is a shit. You're absolutely right. It's And, it, and the people who are religious should be upset yes. because this is the fr the way they're framing it is to frame it as if they're saying, look, your religion isn't represented here. It's not represented here. What we need is no religion represented here. That way, everyone can be equal. What you're doing is favoring one religion over another. 100%. The thing is that, like, with the right, what they have come to understand, I think, and, and they're, they're not wrong, is that there is a sort of, like, new American brand of Christianity yeah. 
which just they can just sort of layer it over everything. And while it won't suit the Baptists and it won't suit the Catholics, it'll suit them all well enough yeah. that they'd prefer that to some degree over uh, over secularism. Yeah, and like, and at the end of the day, none of them have any pretense toward giving a shit about the Jews or Muslims mm-hmm. or Hindus mm-hmm. or Sikh yeah. or you know any of the rest of them. They're just like they just hand wave all yep. those people away. Yep. Like, ah, I don't know cares about them. We're not even gonna pretend we do. Yeah. And if you ever leave me waiting outside again so you can talk about a goddamn fishing trip, I will walk right in here and I will punch you right in the fucking teeth, Tyler. So stories from Salon, uh, which I don't usually grab. I don't yeah. like Salon very much. But this is from Salon. Not a bad return on investment. AOC calls out Justice Alito for luxury fishing trip with GOP donor. All right, let's play it. This is uh, AOC in Congress. Uh, she is talking. Uh, she's questioning Kathleen Clark, a Washington University, St. Louis, in, in St. Louis, uh, law professor. Uh, so, Kath, that's, it's a law professor that, uh, that uh, AOC is asking these questions of. So behind her is a uh, picture of Alito with a fish. With a fish. A pretty big fish. Pretty big fish. I got to hand admittedly, it to them. Admittedly, they had a good trip. I That's mean, a, when you're a billionaire, you can find good fish, I guess. Do you guess. think if you're that rich, so there's a yeah. scuba diver there's putting it on the There's just some jackass hook? underneath. You got to pay somebody <laughs> to do it. All right, so here we go. I believe he did not. He did not recuse himself from this case. And in fact, he used his seat on the Supreme Court after all of this to rule in Singer's favor. And following the decision, Mr. Singer's hedge fund was ultimately paid $2.4 billion because of this ruling. Not a bad return on investment for a uh, fishing trip there. Now, Professor Clark, would a federal judge in a lower court be required to recuse himself? The gentleman's time has expired. May I answer the question, sir? I think uh, the discretion of the chair, yes, you can answer Thank the question. Thank you, sir. Um, yes, there's a federal statute, I believe it's 28 U.S.C. 455, that does require recusal by both justices and judges under certain circumstances. So that, that part's really important, actually, I think. So all the other judges in lower courts, yeah. if presented yeah, with the same yeah. conflict of interest, would be required to recuse themselves. But the Supreme Court has no higher Supreme. There's no like the Supremes Court. Yeah. Although there should be. There should be. There should be. They just plays their music all the there time. There should just be a Supremes Court. <laughs> Why isn't there that? There should, since there's no Supremerist Court. Supremerists. Double extra yeah. Supreme yeah. with cheese court sure. or whatever. Like there's no accountability. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, uh, you know, all the other lower court guys would have to recuse themselves. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> but I don't have to do anything I don't yeah. want to do. And there's no one... We've basically created the court of na 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 na. You can't make me. And what is so crazy is there is literally not anything anybody can do about Nothing. it. Nothing. There is no rules. No one has any power over them. Every every opportunity that has been taken in the last ten months to shame them about this, they have not a bit of it. Not no. a tiny bit of shame. And you know, there was a time where I think that some of the things that are happening in government, if they were to happen back then, it would have been a huge fucking scandal, yeah. right? It'd have been a huge fucking, huge scandal. That person would have just been thrown out. There'd been like, you know, people running around with just, they'd be clutching other people's pearls. Not, yeah. only, not only theirs. <laughs> they would be freaking the fuck out. Yeah. But we have gotten to the point now 
where I think people understand that there's no power anywhere. No. There's no, there's nothing that can make these people who are in power uh, do anything that you don't, they don't want to do. Yep. So they can just look you in the face when you'll wield the entire power of Congress or something else. And they can be like, I mean this, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And when they do that, everybody else is just like, well, he got me, boys. Yeah, I know. It, it's like we it's, were beaten by, by the, the best. best. <laughs> yeah. It's it's nuts that like we've gotten to a point where they figured out it's, you know, there's when you're when you've got kids, the fear as a parent is that like your kids are gonna realize you can't actually make them do anything without beating them. So, like, unless you're willing to like beat your kid into submission, you can't make them really do like you, you, you govern entirely through a social contract that everybody agrees to. And our government is built on a series of social contracts that we all have sort of tended to and agreed to. And like, if you were an awful, corrupt, shitty, lying scumbag, that used to ruin your career. Sure. And now it doesn't seem to do have, anything. now it can advance your career. It doesn't do anything. You know, like, it's like these justices are absolutely bona fide corrupt. There's no way. You can't be, you can't do those things and not, and still have some kind of integrity. Yeah, if you're if, a shitbag. Yeah. If the word corruption means anything, yeah. it has to apply to Alito and Thomas. Yeah. It just has to. It'd be like if, it'd be like if Keith from Modest Needs was my cousin. Yeah, right. And he's pocketing the money And you're or sending him all the right? money and he's like, turns he's, out I had a Modest and Need. And he's pocketing it right, or something. Yeah. You know, like I, you know, that, that right. would be the, all that's the, money the level, to immodest that's <laughs> genuinely the level yeah. that we're at though, yeah. where it's like that nobody cares. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's, it's as close to fraud as you can get without being fraud, without yeah. being prosecuted. You can't and, prosecute it. And it's like, it's like before, like, and not that long before this would ruin careers. People's reputations would be ruined. But, but I think something has changed where violating the social contract has become such a new normal. Yeah. And that I think we're like living in a world where we have this constant tragedy fatigue mm -hmm. and we're just sort of exhausted at the idea of yet another scandal. And it's like, you can't even put them all in one place and hold them all in your mind yeah. together. And you can't maintain that level of outrage in a way that's safe for you. And so it's, it's almost like, the politicians have figured out that if we're, if one of us is corrupt, there's a problem. But if we're all corrupt, corrupt then it doesn't matter. Then you can suck our dick yeah. and fucking like and it. Like it. And, and if I were to read to you, go to Donald Trump scandals, wiki page and just read them off. You would have, you have forgotten. I guarantee you yeah. have forgotten 85% of the things that, that happened while he was in office that were genuinely a scandal. You forgot 85% of them, which is insane to think about because one, I know for a dead certainty that that's true. And two, I feel like you and I are more plugged in than yeah. the average Joe. Yep. So if I've forgotten and I make a show about this, I make content every week. I spend my, my time pretty diligently like being a news hound yeah. to prep for this show specifically. And because it's an interest, but like, What's the rest of the world? They're they're 10 times more tuned out of that yeah, shit. Yeah. You know, 20 times more tuned out of that shit. I was born in Clifton, New Jersey, which was not at that time a federal offense. So this story comes from The Guardian. Anti-choice states aren't satisfied. 
Now they want to punish traveling for abortion. We knew that was going to happen. We you, absolutely 100% knew it was going to happen before it even started. Yep. You knew that the states that were going to uh, outlaw abortions were, were then going to, because we saw it before it actually, uh, before the Supreme Court even ruled on it in Texas. Yep. We saw it in Texas because they had very, very strict rules there already. And if you left the state, you could they they weaponize their populace to sue people. Yep. And so we saw it beforehand and we knew it was going to happen, but now it's starting to happen in all these different places. Yeah. And like the 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 K the, the, the state that they're talking about in this article specifically is Alabama, right? And so it's especially distressing because it 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 purports an instance where somebody is lucky enough to leave Alabama. <laughs> they have the yeah. good fucking fortune to get the fuck out of Alabama, which like they should be celebrated for. I would think everybody in Alabama would like appreciate the necessity of wanting to leave Alabama. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, but they would leave Alabama and then the, you know, the attorney general or whatever down there is like, look, you know, you can't just you can't just like form a conspiracy to break an Alabama law and then leave Alabama and then do the thing that's illegal and not be prosecuted. And it's sort of, when you hear it said in those terms, there is a sort of but the sense to that in the sense that like the very Georgia Rico case does say, look, it didn't have to happen in sure, Georgia sure. in order for it to be a crime that but relates back to but, a Georgia crime. But they're crime. committing a crime in Georgia. Right. Well, that, that's the point things. I wanted to make. Yeah. It's like, yeah. But they're they're missing this the most important key yeah. element of stringing that together. And I, I was trying to think of another analogy. And I was thinking like, all right, here in Illinois, fireworks are illegal. Yeah. I was going to do weed, but oh, there you go. Weed, yeah, weed's a better example because because it's we legal. We can smoke weed in Illinois in different in different states all right. over. Like it's not legal in Indiana. So if somebody came to my house from Indiana and smoked some pot and went home. And they found out because they did a drug test or something, should they be able to be prosecuted because they they committed a crime in but Indiana? In, right. Right? Yeah, like, because, and, and if to form, to, to take it the form of conspiracy step further, if you were to say, hey, man, come to my house this weekend, let's hang out and smoke weed. And then somebody was like, cool, I'm going to drive you to Cecil's house so you can hang out and smoke weed. That's essentially the same yeah, thing as the abortion. Pretty much the same thing. We don't do that. Yeah. We don't do that. We allow states to have what exactly the fucking Supreme Court was jerking off. Yeah. States' rights. Yeah. The whole reason that the, the the rationale the Supreme Court used to throw this back, yes. to get rid of yeah. Roe versus Wade, was to say, look, let's give this back to the states. And then some states said yes, and some states said no. But what you can't do is create a system where one state says no, and it creates a de facto no by proxy to the yeah. other states. To everybody else at That's that point. That's an yeah. atrocity. Yeah. Either the states have some amount of self-governance or they don't. Yeah. And the problem is, is that they're they're going to be now prosecuting or going after these people. And then the worst part is, is that this is a corner, this is, this is all sewn up for them in the Supreme Court. So if somebody does try to sue them and say, hey, you can't do that, I guarantee the Supreme Court. I think Court's the Supreme gonna, Court rule on favor of Alabama. Yeah, they're going to be like, no, we, we wanted it. We wanted to basically have abortions uh, across the board, and they can basically say that a, a, any Alabaman is not allowed to have an abortion. Period. Like it just seems like the whole thing is so wrong. It's yeah. so deeply fucking wrong. A, I, deeply wrong. There's a, some major problems with states as it is, right? Yeah. States in, in in general in our country. There's some major problems with it, but this highlights 
the real problem with states' rights. Yeah, and this is always what the right wanted, it right? Oh, the yeah. right never wanted to respect the will no, of the local no, people. No, no, no. Because in every state, and then like in every state where abortion is on the ballot, abortion wins. Yeah. Abortion rights win every time. So we are joined by Dan and Dan from the Data Over Dogma podcast or Data. Is it Data or Data? Which one? That you guys was my hard hitting question, you motherfucker. <laughs> God damn it, oh, I literally you... wrote it down. That's the one thing. <laughs> Son of a bitch. That was, that was my only question. Too. That's my whole prep work for this fucking episode. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All, All right, right, I'm out of here. You know what? Fuck it. I'm out of here. <laughs> We're doing it live. <laughs> Blew the load kind of quick there. Yeah. So, well, yeah. All right. Yeah. It's, it's over now. Jesus, now what are you, now my it, wife? Well, when you get the now, <laughs> now it's that sort of that's that slide down into nothingness. That we go hey, here. Give me a sandwich in twenty minutes. I'll disappoint you again. Welcome to the show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. Thanks. Thank for you for the invitation. Me. We appreciate it. So, uh, so your new podcast. Uh, I'm going to say data because that's that's what I say. Data over dogma. Well, then I'm going to say data. Yeah. Okay. So so your new podcast, can you explain what, uh, what the premise is to us? Yeah. Uh, Dan, why don't you take that? You're, you're the one who says it at the top of every show. But you're um, both Dan. Yeah, the, that's got to be very confusing. Handoff, actually. Well, yeah. Every time we we um, are prepping a guest for a show, they're like, what do I call you? <laughs> <laughs> um, we keep each other pretty straight. It's pretty easy for yeah, us. If I say Dan, yeah. I'm pretty sure Dan knows which one I'm talking to. We've only screwed it up a, a handful of times, and we just get rid of it in post, so nobody knows. Um now, uh, so what I say at the beginning of every show is that we uh, are seeking to increase the public's access to the academic study of the Bible and religion, and also combat the spread of misinformation about the same. So this is basically taking what I started doing uh, a couple years ago on social media, on TikTok, addressing misinformation that's being spread by conspiracy theorists, by apologists, uh, by all different kinds of folks. Uh, combating that misinformation and then sharing more info so that people have more up-to-date access to what's actually so, going on with the scholarly study of the Bible. Can you can you just give me an example of yeah. what some of that misinformation might be? Oh, yeah. the uh, These days, the most popular type of misinformation has to do with the end times, uh, Book of Revelation stuff. You know, last year we had uh, a lot of concern about uh, lowering water levels at the Euphrates River. And so a bunch of nonsense starts getting spread on social media about how, oh, the book of Revelation says there are these angels that are bound under the Euphrates. And once it dries up, they're going to be released and then they're going to kill a third of the Are humankind. you fucking and serious? <laughs> Hold on a minute. I'm Dead sorry. Serious. There are people. This is the I least just... crazy stuff <laughs> no, that is coming out of yeah, Revelation. You guys, like, that's yeah. gentle. That uh, is baby. Yeah. That is, uh, that is baby are, talk right there. There are angels in their minds that are now... <laughs> In the muck, they're like those under the river. They're like those salamanders yeah, yeah. that come up every fifteen years when the rains come <laughs> right, in on like yeah. the plains or whatever. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, man, if these supernatural <laughs> beings of celestial origin ever dry out, <laughs> yeah. Woo! Well, there we're was, in uh, trouble now, was... motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm trapped was, under um... the water. I don't have supernatural power. I just find <laughs> I'm all wet. I can't. 
I just, I'm not. Is it time to end the world? Nah, I'm fine. My pants are wet. Right, I'm not in a book shit. with yeah, a guy who had long hair and then he got his hair cut short and then he lost all his I, power. You're though. not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> fucking yeah. Okay. The premise is pretty thin. You can't really think too hard about it, or it just falls apart. I just, but there was even there was even audio that was um, kind of put together with a video oh, uh, that where you hear like clanging and chains amazing. and groaning and stuff. Amazing. Underwater and chains. Like, uh, well, it was showing like an excavated area. Oh. And so they're like, this is the dried up riverbed. Mm, yeah. Um, but, you know, with 90 seconds of Googling, you can find out that this video was first published like seven years ago. And then it was supposed to be the grave of this <laughs> Pakistani cleric. And so this was supposed to be in Pakistan yeah, and it was yeah. supposed to be him groaning and rattling his change in a very um, Marley-esque uh, way. Yeah, and I so, was going to ask if this this was Christmas past or future. I didn't know which. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny? What, what it's I a, think it's is the Muppet funny. version, really. So, um, <laughs> oh, and you guys I are the two old men grousing at the thing. I get it. I get the shtick. I, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I just like that the Dan just said, look, if, if all that we did was actually just Google the things that everyone should just be fact-checking by Googling, we would have a show like, I don't know why we bothered to get Dan, who has a <laughs> like master's degree from Oxford and a, and a PhD from Exeter University. Like, why do we need all this? All we need, as, as you like to say, Dan, is like a little bit of competent Googling. And we yeah, I, I, I said something in a video once. I said, uh, we need more people who can think critically and Google competently. <laughs> and immediately everybody's like, that needs to be a shirt. Have, <laughs> you know, I have like... Um, I have uh, some merch, and so I went in and I tried to make a shirt out of it, and then they uh, they were like, "You can't use Google. That's that's trademark." So. <laughs> you immediately get a knock on your door, like, "No, no, no, you're not allowed to do that." Weirdly, Sorry, though, so you can say Bing competently. Nobody yeah, cares. Nobody yeah, cares. Yeah. <laughs> also, no one would understand what you're saying. That's true. It doesn't work. They might pay you to do yeah. it. So, <laughs> Web um, crawler so competently. I, <laughs> <laughs> Just ask Jeeves. <laughs> <laughs> my um, my academic friend and I like we kind of laugh about this because like I'm not a specialist in all things I have I have a, a my area of specialization and I'm trying to kind of become a generalist but really all you need to do is know how to google like if you can recognize good sources and not good sources and you know kind of have a sense for what scholars are uh, you know know what they're talking about and what scholars don't I mean you can navigate your way through this and figure out what's good info and what's not so that's that's the biggest secret is just I'm really good at Googling stuff. <laughs> is it your hope? TM. So. To, <laughs> yeah. Is it your hope, you think, to... Um, I, you're saying trying to combat this sort of misinformation. Um, a lot of people that are, you know, that that believe the Bible or that follow the Bible, the, the dogma is too powerful, right? The dogma is the thing that they believe, and that's... that and. Uh, really genuinely, no matter what the data says, it's not really going to convince them. Is that who, are you thinking that when you make a show, the, the audience for you is going to be those people or is it going to be the people who have the conversations with them? It's going to be the people who have the conversations with them, the people who are suffering and struggling because either they're, they're wrestling with these things right now where they've, um, you know, the critical thinking, they have a little bit of that cognitive dissonance and they're <laughs> trying to figure out uh, how, to, how to move forward, how to better understand this. I get a lot of messages from folks who say that they were raised with this. They're not there anymore, but this is therapeutic. It is healing for yeah, them sure, sure. to learn that uh, the things that happened to me when I was young, when I was growing up, 
are based on these dogmas and not and not necessarily on the data. So I I think the there's research out there that suggests that uh, the two things that have the most the highest chance of success in um, getting people to think critically about these dogmas are uh, close personal relationships and personal experiences. And so I can't offer that in in my videos, but the more we can spread the message and the more people are educated on on these kinds of approaches and understand a lot of these frameworks and methodologies, the more opportunities there will be for people out there to have personal relationships with people who can help them begin to think critically and they can have personal relations or personal experiences to help them break down those defenses and begin to think critically. So it's, it's, you know, it's never going to be totally successful. We can't, uh, we can't, um, win this battle, but I think we can move the needle. Uh, it's, I, I've see signs that it's already happened to happening to some degree right now. And so I'm, I'm hopeful for the future. I love the fact, one of the things that I love about our show is that, uh, it's split pretty evenly among uh, atheists like me and believers like Dan. Uh, so the atheists come because obviously they want, a lot of us have wanted a place to, uh, to learn about the Bible that isn't devotional, that isn't going to try and convince you of its truth or its worth, but also isn't going to try and tell you that it's like, ha ha, this is bullshit. Like there's plenty of places to go to find sure. like, oh, look at how stupid all this is. And that's fine. It has its place. But also when I read the Bible, I didn't understand an excessive amount of it. I didn't feel like I had enough background to understand it. And I, I didn't feel like I understood the era and the uh, culture that it was coming from. And I didn't feel like there was anything I could do to gain that. So having someone who actually understands that, who's willing to do a show that is not devotional, where it's, you know, this isn't, uh, it, it's not about faith promotion. And half the time, you know, you know we have plenty of people who hate uh, what we do because it, because it, you know, we're telling truths that they're not ready for, that they're not, or, or that they're unwilling to look at. But all we're doing is really examining what's in the Bible, what it is, why it exists, what it actually says, what it doesn't say. And, you know, it, you know, like we, we did, we recently did um, an episode about abortion in the Bible. And uh, I, I, there is no abortion. Abortion isn't in the Bible. The Bible doesn't actually take a stand on abortion. But we, but we talked. We went through arguments on both sides and really explored what that is and what the data show about it. So, uh, Dan, this question is for you. But Dan, if you want to step in, that's that's fine too. <laughs> but does, <laughs> I was just I was just thinking about this a second ago. But like you know, you have this intense scholarship in biblical and religious literacy, um, like up to the point of a PhD in it. And I thought immediately, like, does the Bible require a level of context and linguistics and historicity in order to really understand it properly? And if it does, does that negate its value as a book for the people to understand themselves and their religious beliefs. I think that has to do with what someone is hoping to get out of it. 
because people read the Bible for a lot of different reasons. There's some folks who just want to commune with deity, their concept of deity. And so reading the Bible helps them feel whatever it is that that they think reading the Bible brings. Uh, and and so I don't think they need to scratch too far into the surface to for it to achieve the function for which they've, they've come to the Bible. There are a lot of folks who want to deploy the Bible to uh, structure power. They want to um, understand better the history and, and what's going on here. And for a lot of that, I think somewhere along the line, someone has to have that kind of education, that kind of access to those data in order to report back to them. Um, if one is just reading it on their own um, in isolation from uh, the research and the contextualization and the history and everything, they're primarily going to be, uh, I, I use the metaphor of uh, it's, it's like a bucket of Legos. Uh, some people say it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And, oh, you got to look at the picture on the box. There's no box. There's no picture. Right. Um, if to the degree somebody thinks there's a picture, that's just their tradition that is providing them an authoritative understanding of what, what they should be arriving at. I think a bucket of Legos is more apt because we don't have the instructions. We don't have a box. We don't have a picture. And Legos have a lot more flexibility with what you're making with them. And so somebody who's approaching the Bible independent of the scholarship and the research and everything is going to make whatever they want to make with it. Sometimes that's harmful. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's therapeutic. Sometimes it's helping them with relationships uh, with their family or with others. Uh, so I somewhere along the line, you're trusting somebody else's scholarship. If you're reading the Bible in English, you are relying on right. someone who has a PhD. Um, if you want to try to drill down and say, well, in this context, this kind of terminology is used to achieve these kinds of things. So this author who's writing to this audience for this reason is, if you want to be able to understand it at that level, you have to either get that education yourself or you have to trust the words of someone else who has that level of education. So it's, it's got to be in there somewhere for, uh, I think, most reasons that people read the Bible. But at the same time, there are some folks who approach the Bible for other reasons that I don't think need uh, all of that data or research. Do they you, still usually need a translation, though. Do you think that, <laughs> that learning deeply about the Bible strips the veneer of mysticism away from it? I think there are, I think it's more common that uh, the, the veneer of mysticism is gone, but there are also folks who uh, are, are very well-educated on it who find more significance. I don't know about mysticism, but at least they find more meaning and more utility on uh, a spiritual level for the Bible because it, does, it can become uh, even more flexible a tool for engaging uh, spirituality. And so I, I think the, uh, the level of uh, spirituality lessens, but for the folks who are still there, who are still plugged into the spirituality end of things, I think it can be more dynamic for them. Uh, but yeah, for, for more people, it's, uh, it does kind of uh, rob it yeah. of that mystique. Yeah. Uh, when I was writing my dissertation, my supervisor uh, would say, it's a strip show. You don't want to um, you know, show everything at first. You're kind of going <laughs> piece by piece, but but once everything's gone, you're kind of like, mm -hmm. um, and so that's what the Bible is for a lot of folks. Uh, but yeah, I, I still think there there are there's so much mystery left in it. Uh, you know how people were using it, what uh, 
what authors were writing certain things to mean, how poetry was used, all that kind of stuff, I think is those are questions that we're going to be spending centuries trying to answer. And so I, I still think there's a lot that's fascinating about it. Uh, with with all, and you guys have on. had two thousand years. You're still not <laughs> out yet. <Come> on. <laughs> Almost three thousand years for some of the stuff, right? Uh, but, yeah. but you know, we we discover new stuff all the time, like the uh, the Ugaritic texts in 1920, which I also know 20, what those are. <laughs> I was yeah. I was hoping you'd bring them. Well, up. I'm gonna I'm gonna about to so. Um, so there was a. There was a a farmer in Syria in 1929 hit a big rock. Um, with a plow, uh, an angel up, flew right like, out. It was crazy. But go insane. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not yeah. underwater. <laughs> I'd be it trapped. Wasn't by the coast. <laughs> okay. But dug this thing out and was like, "Whoa, this is something man-made." And it turned out to be a, a large sarcophagus. A bunch of archaeologists oh, descend on on this area. They uncover an entire city called Ugarit with about a thousand texts written in a cuneiform script that no one had ever seen before. Uh, turns out it is an alphabetic cuneiform script closely related to Hebrew. Uh, they are able to decipher it. And now we have the Ugaritic texts, which have ritual texts. There's letters, there's receipts, uh, there's mythology. And we started seeing stuff that's mentioning, like there's stuff that is quoted in the Bible in the Ugaritic literature. And so like this totally revolutionized our study of the Hebrew Bible because it gave us another set of texts that were doing a lot of the same things that the Hebrew Bible was doing, but in a very closely related language. And it was other deities that were involved. And so like, there are, are always new things being discovered that help us put new, shine new light on what's going on here and understand things in different ways. So I, I think it's a very exciting field. Uh, most of the folks I talk to, it bores them to tears. So, <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think there's an interesting, I, I know I touched on it with my last question, but like it just keeps like occurring to me differently. But like, I do think there's an interesting point of tension between what you're describing, which is this really intensely intellectual examination that's based on the history and language, et cetera. And then like the practical day-to-day -day actual use by lay people of the Bible. It's like, there's, there's the you guys and you guys are this like sliver of a sliver of a sliver of the people that are looking at the Bible and using the Bible as a tool, as a, as a, as a tool to either engage themselves intellectually, philosophically, spiritually, politically, it's almost all not what you're doing. Like what you're doing <laughs> is like, is this like super niche kind of like use of this tool and everybody yeah. else, all the lay people have this same tool, right? Or at least they think they do. I, I understand that they don't, they fundamentally don't have the same tool, but like, it just seems like such a bad tool if this came from God, <laughs> right? If this well. came from God, in any way, in any divinely inspired way, even a littlest bit, it seems like the worst possible tool <laughs> because like almost nobody is you. It'd be like if God came down and was like, I strongly suggest a hammer and like a tiny fraction of people can barely see out of the corner of their eye, the shape of a hammer and everybody else is like flipping burgers with it. It seems that far apart to me. So I just, I'm curious, like as a scholar of this, how you think of, or whether you reject that tension or, you know, where you're at with that. No, I, th I think there's definitely tension. And in fact, this was a, uh, a discussion that uh, some of my uh, friends I was in graduate school with uh, many years ago, we had 
frequently over lunch and, and outside the classroom that what we're learning, what we're studying is not something like, how can we communicate about this stuff to folks in the pews in a way that will help them operationalize this knowledge and do something useful with it? Um, and whether, you know, whether that is to correct uh, things that they've done wrong with the text, whether that uh, is to deepen their understanding, how can we communicate this downstream? Because there is so much, there's not just a disconnect, but there's a lot of uh, like active pushing us away on that side of things as well. And so it is, uh, it is a problem. It is an issue that we're, uh, we're trying to address. And this is one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing uh, because uh, I want people to be able to at least have access to the data, whatever they want to do with it. I want them to have access uh, to the data. And, and I have other colleagues, uh, friends that are hoping to get started in, um, in similar social media projects. Uh, but yeah, it does not seem like the most efficient and effective tool. It causes far more problems than it seems to solve, uh, which seems counterintuitive uh, if this is something that's supposed to be a solution to all of the problems. Uh, it is a liability. Uh, I would suggest most of the time it is yeah. being deployed. So. It, it does seem I, weird that like the communicative, the divinely inspired communicative tool doesn't have any self-correcting properties to it at all that like oh, what are you talking about the thing corrects itself constantly <laughs> <laughs> like all through it it's like you know, this, this verse is completely rejecting the last verse it yeah. happens all the time all the, the time. first yeah. two books of the bible are literally contradictions of each other or a <laughs> correction of each other like if you yeah i, I think that's pretty i just i think the, i think the, the 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 academic study of it is genuinely like it is fascinating. And I think it's important, right? Because like massive amounts of, of yeah. our culture have been shaped by it. So I'm not throwing mm -hmm. the baby out with the bathwater. Like, I think that this is important, necessary historical work that has significance on how like our government fucking operates. Well, like yeah, I, I yeah. absolutely do. Oh gosh. And I'm, yeah. but at the same time, I'm like struck that like, this is just the worst tool. Like it just is, I can't kind of get, because like if in order for me to respect the education that you have and the time and effort and energy that went into getting that, I have to also recognize that none of that should be necessary for a divinely inspired book intended for people at the mass lay people level to read, to commune with God. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Like I, You'd I just, be surprised. One of the I things like, that what? I think is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I feel like too dumb I, to understand this. <laughs> one of the things that I have found amazing about the feedback that we've gotten is that so many of the people that so many people have written into us uh, or or commented on, on Dan's TikToks or whatever, who say, I went to Bible school. I went to four years of Bible school and I didn't learn anything any of this stuff. Yeah. Because there's a difference between Liberty University and what they teach to pastors, right, which isn't this and what the academic the actual real academic world is looking at. Like it's it's worlds apart. And it's that's I find that to be really fascinating. It also occurs to me too, you know, Tom mentioned Christian Nation. I mean, we have many many politicians who talk about the Bible all the time and talk about what it says. Do you find that they are just wrong about the things that they're saying? Do you find that they're they're misquoting something or they're saying something that really isn't there? Overwhelmingly. Okay. 
um, like, I get. I didn't expect that answer, but okay. All so right. I'm, I'm, I'm in Utah. Um, and Mitt Romney just announced that he's not going to run for reelection, which means we're going to get some stooge who's yeah. going to be our other Senator who is going to be, and, and some people think it's this Tim Ballard guy, uh, who oh, God. used to run operation underground railroad and write awful pseudo scholarship, uh, about history. Uh, and I'm just, I'm not, I'm not ready for that, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I actually, we may, we may have to move. Do you guys have a guest room? <laughs> <laughs> Come on out. Come on out. We'll put you up. Chicago's a So I, I ran city. for, uh, the state legislature here in Utah twice, uh, in 2018 and, and 2020 in a deep red district. Like I didn't really have a chance of winning, but I, I moved the needle, uh, quite a bit. And so I have a lot of friends who are in politics. Uh, and you know, I have, a um, you know, to the degree I can speak about having an enemy, they're all in politics. Um, and they're mostly on Twitter. Uh, and <laughs> I get, I get people, uh, from the democratic party, uh, and even, <laughs> even, um, I forget exactly what she campaign manager for, um, a Utah a Republican, Utah politician is a friend of mine, but they will send me clips all the time said, so-and-so just quoted this, or so-and-so said this about the book of Mormon. Uh, or so-and-so did this, is that right? And, and overwhelmingly, I have to say that has absolutely no relationship with <laughs> the truth at all. Um, because like, if anybody is going to uh, misuse the text to, in the service of their own structuring of power and values, it's going to be a politician. Yeah. Like, sure. That's yeah. VMO. And so uh, it's, it's inevitable. And so my, there are some, there's some, folks, I think, use it more responsibly than others. And they tend to be the folks who are advocating for the minoritized or the oppressed or the marginalized groups. Uh, that tends to be a more responsible deployment of the Bible, but that is, uh, that is not the majority right. of the political deployments that we see uh, in the public discourse today. I'm curious if through this show, people that respond to you and interact with you that have spent their lives like engaged in, in, in some kind of, whether it's, whether it's Liberty you or whether it's like having gone to Sunday school their whole lives, something that approaches like study of the Bible. They've gone to Bible study at their friend's house, their pastors. They've got to feel like tricked, right? Like they've got to feel like hoodwinked when they listen to the show and they come to realize like, what? Like I spent like years <laughs> of my life reading these passages and being told they meant this and referencing back to the other thing and scooting around and bopping or booping. And like, I thought mm -hmm. I had a real grasp on it and I gave it a real effort and I put the real work into trying and I read these things and I prayed over it and my, you know, read my kids, the fucking golden book of Noah or whatever fucking things that I read when I was a kid. Like, you know what I mean? And then, and then they find out like, like they come to your show and it's like, well, you know, this show should actually called, well, actually the Bible edition and like, you know, that, you know all, your whole life is based on a series of mistranslations and lies, you know, like that's got to feel very destabilizing. Do you, do you encounter that with your, with your conversations with listeners? Uh, I, I think the folks for whom it would be the most destabilizing are the folks who have the most uh, kind of defenses up and our show is, is not going to just drop them immediately. Uh, and the folks who are willing to think critically, I think they... Uh, from what I have seen, their engagement with these data, they uh, think about it in terms of their own experience. 
because uh, most of the folks who've gone to Bible college and stuff like that, they've had opportunities to share that information as well. They've shared it on, they've, uh, uh, you know, paid it forward. And they think, well, I was doing it based on what I thought was the best information available. And, and so they don't feel like, you know, they're lying to anyone. They're intentionally misleading. And, and the folks that I've had that deep of a conversation uh, about this stuff with generally, I think, um, are, can extend that charity to the folks who passed it on to them and think, I was misled. I was, I was not fully informed. I think the same is probably true of the people who, uh, who were teaching it to be. Now, the prosperity gospel preachers and the megachurch mm-hmm. folks, they're the ones that are like, they're straight up lying. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think they're as upset with their professors and Bible colleges and things like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think the folks who probably were s- directly lied to, I don't think they have, uh, I think their defenses are probably too strong, uh, right now to take it too seriously. Although I do think I, that one of our, one of my goals with this show is to get a needle in to those people, the people who have their defenses up. I, you know, I've had atheists friends ask me if my goal with this show was to create more atheists, which I would have no problem with it doing. I would be very happy uh, with that outcome. But far more important to me is I want our show to be anti to to be the the thing that takes down people's fundamentalism, uh, or people's Bible literalism, all of this stuff that is you know, that, that is used in ways, uh, deployed, as Dan says, in ways to, uh, to, to hurt marginalized communities, to, you know, it's, it's, it, to, to structure power. People who think that it, their way, that there's only one narrow way to interpret the Bible and it has to be our way and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's where it gets really dangerous when it becomes that, uh, narrow, ugly, rule-based, dogmatic nonsense. And hopefully, my hope is that our show uh, is able to dismantle fundamentalism. Even if people remain believers, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. As long as, as long as they, uh, they, as long as they're, they have a more realistic view of what this thing is. Yeah, I get, I get, uh, People give me a hard time a lot. Uh, the came up with this motto data over dogma and it's aspirational. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> Nobody had, you know, there's no such thing as true objectivity, but people are always like, you should call it data plus dogma over dogma. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, because like, you're not, you're not free from any of this. I'm like, I never claim to be free from any of it. And from the very beginning, I've always said the one dogma that I will own every single time is that all other things being equal. And that's an important caveat that a lot of people overlook when I say this, all other things being equal, I will always give the benefit of the doubt to the less powerful group. And so that shines through in a lot of the work that we do, uh, where a lot of times we are advocating for uh, the rights and, uh, and the experiences of um, minoritized, marginalized, oppressed groups. And so Every time someone says, oh, you're being dogmatic too, um, I guarantee there's a (laughs) MAGA hat somewhere on their (laughs) social media account because it always gets reduced to that. Somebody's upset with me because they're a right-wing authoritarian. 
uh, and they're mired in social dominance orientation. And I piss them off because I am saying that uh, their worldview is a knuckle dragging worldview. Um, so but obviously I'm happy to do that. in that marginalized group, you, you heavily include straight white men, right? Like, cause that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's I should always, the me, most hated group. I could shorthand that to say podcasters. I could have shorthanded that to say podcasters. I was going to say, I was going to say <laughs> straight white bearded men. <laughs> there, there we go. There we yeah. go. Yeah. 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 You know, because I'm really feeling the pressure yeah. lately. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, if people were going to find your show, where would they look? I mean, everywhere that, that you find podcasts, we are on YouTube as well. Uh, so we've got that. Uh, you should go and you should definitely follow Dan's TikTok uh, account if, if you want to or any or Dan on any of the other uh, places. Uh, you're it's it's McClellan. But you're gonna have to figure it. Tell them how, how to follow <laughs> yeah, you. So, so my username is uh, is rather unique. It's a phonetic spelling of my last name that I used when I was living in South America because uh, they don't like names that start with four consonants in a row uh, down there. So it's M A K L E L A N. So that's my handle on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram, on on YouTube. So all over the place. But yeah, data uh, over dogma on on any of those uh, the, you know the pod blasters of your choice. Uh, you, we should. We should be there. Oh, we'll make sure wherever awesome. there is injustice, <laughs> we'll be there. We'll make sure to we'll make sure to link it in this week's show notes, guys. Thank you so much Thanks for so coming much. on. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to uh, to talking to you guys again. It'd be Thank great. Thanks a lot. It. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks so much, guys. So we want to thank Dan and Dan from the Data Over Dogma podcast. You can check it out. Uh, we're going to have all the links in the show notes. Uh, just search Data Over Dogma and the podcast comes up right away. Also, their YouTube page comes up. And be sure to follow Dan on all the social medias, the, the TikToks and all that stuff. So this upcoming Thursday is our live stream. So be sure to be there. It's going to be on the 21st at... 9 p.m. Central. So check us out on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, we had a great time last time. Uh, these monthly live streams seem to be a hoot. So come on by and uh, and hang out with us. We also want to thank all our patrons. And at the end of the month, so on the 28th, we'll be releasing a patron-only show specifically for them. Uh, so if you want to get in on that, uh, you can go become a patron of the show at a per episode basis at dissonancepod.com or at patreon.com slash dissonancepod. Uh, we love all our patrons, of course, and uh, and the patrons actually pay my salary. So please, if you are on the fence, uh, you can help uh, pay my salary if you enjoy this show. Uh, you can go become a patron and, uh, and that's where that money goes, uh, along with two other salaries and a lot of expenses that go into the show. And we would, of course, if you enjoy the show, we would appreciate it if you became a patron. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week. We're going to leave you like we always do with the Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts. 
shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak stigmata, nonsense. Expose your sides. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and information provided on this podcast are intended for entertainment purposes only. All opinions are solely that of Glory Hole Studios, LLC. Cognitive dissonance makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, currentness, suitability, or validity of any information and will not be liable for any errors, damages, or butthurt arising from consumption. All information is provided on an as-is basis. No refunds. Produced in association with the local Dairy Council and viewers like you.